Welcome to MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the truth behind medical research with unbiased, evidence-proven facts, powered by Encore Research Group and hosted by cardiologist and top medical researcher, Dr. Michael Corrin. My name is Dr. Michael Corrin, and I'm delighted to moderate another session of MedEvidence. And we're very fortunate today to have a special guest, Dr. Dennis Leahy from San Diego, who's going to talk about lipoprotein little a from both the perspective of a clinical cardiologist, interventional cardiologist, and also a patient that has this problem. So it's a, a fascinating opportunity for us to dig in. And uh, Dennis and I were just joking before I, I got on air here and stated, hey, this is two docs talking LPA. And so uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to basically eavesdrop on our discussion. And you can see how two physicians who are really interested in the space, particularly the space of how to deal with this really, really, really bad cholesterol that we call LP little a, and ultimately what somebody that has this problem that has knowledge is doing to deal with it. So uh, with that introduction, Dennis, just tell the audience a little bit about your background and uh, your passions in practice and when you first found out about your specific problem with lipoprotein little a. Sure. I'm happy to do so. Um, I actually uh, went to college and medical school on the East Coast, but then had the good fortune to come out to UCSD, <laughs> where I uh, have, have not budged since uh, since I arrived here in 1973. Where'd um, you grow up? Yeah, it was a, it was a good deal. So I, I'm just curious, where'd you, where'd you grow up? What part of the country? I grew up in, uh, outside Chicago, and then, okay. uh, as I said, eight years on the East Coast, and then came here. Um, so I was at, trained at UCSD doing my medical internship residency and cardiology fellowship, and uh, then went into practice here and have been in San Diego since. Um, really started my practice or joined practice in 1981 uh, as a general cardiologist who did CATHs, but as you know, interventional cardiology really kind of came along somewhat after mm -hmm. that. Right. So did some retraining, having done a lot of work in the CATH lab already, and went into the interventional space as well. So did, did general cardiology and a lot of interventional work. Um, I actually continued in that practice and just retired uh, about six years ago. Um, but in the interim, I encountered my own, uh, my own uh, particular vulnerability to heart disease when I discovered that I had uh, high LP little a. Um, I'm a classic LP little a person in that I had a very strong family history of vascular disease, probably came mostly from my mother's side of the family. Um, uh, I won't go into great detail unless you want to hear that, but she had a very no, strong... I'd love to, I, I actually love to hear that. So just a couple of quick comments. Um, interesting. One is that interventional cardiologists often don't care about cholesterol problems. <laughs> and so you're, you're probably an exception to the rule. I remember when I was doing my cardiology fellowship a few years after you, um, the the, uh, the chairman of the program was skeptical about cholesterol issues uh, completely and was uh, certainly not one that would um, push the idea that aggressive lipid control was uh, was a really important skill for a cardiologist, which, of course, I um, found other mentors to uh, follow uh, with regard to my, my career path. But the fact that, um, that you're an uh, interventional cardiologist that thinks that cardiology is more than just fixing lesions is really heartwarming to me as a non-interventional research cardiologist. So I think that's really, really neat. But the other part to explore what you said is this family history concept is really, really important. So going back to my cardiology days, 
one of the things that struck me when I first learned about LPA is the really, really strong family history of people with this problem. So you'll, you'll get folks, for example, that have a father and mother who had some complications in their 20s, 30s, or 40s. And um, this is following each generation down the road. So, uh, uh, and, and to that point, uh, I did my training at New York Hospital, and one of the famous LPA patients at New York Hospital was Arthur Ashe who had this type of family history right. of, of having both mother and father have heart disease at a young age. And you know, Arthur Ashe, as a fit professional athlete, had his first cardiac issue at age 29. So um, it was a very profound introduction to me of this particular problem. So yes, tell us a little bit more about your, your family history. When did, they, when did your mom and dad first develop issues with their heart or vasculature? Yeah, it, well, the family history thing is, as as you said, it's a huge component of the LP delay story. And and uh, people who have high LP delay, I think their risk has to be taken somewhat in in context of their family history. And if you have the family history I have, and the LP delay I have uh, level I have, you're, you're faded practically. But um, so I remember when I was growing up, I was probably about ten years old, and my mother's brother, who I assume was maybe in his mid fifties then. Uh, had to have bilateral carotid endarterectomies. Um, And I remember hearing that term. It kind of caught my ear because who, what 10-year-old would have any idea what that meant? And it's actually one of the first times I remember thinking, you know, I kind of maybe would want to be a doctor because I want to know what that means more than anything else. But So you you didn't have other physicians in the family? Well, my grandfather, who I never met, he he was predeceased my arrival. Um, Okay. Uh, but so with, with, uh, with atherosclerosis complications, not sure, actually, you know, yeah. that was a okay. long time ago. Uh, but anyway, my mother's brother had it. Um, my mother herself wind up, wound up having to have, uh, bypass surgery. She was living in Arizona at the time. Um, she was probably in her late sixties. Um, she had complete venous graft failure within six months and had to have a redo mm-hmm. cabbage when I brought her out wow. to San Diego to have that done. Um, and, uh, so that generation, I think several of her sisters had heart disease as well. The, the details are a little bit murky. And that's when I really decided I better look into my own risk here in depth. And that's when I really started down the, you know, pursuing my own risk. And th- that's an interesting story in itself. So let's jump into that a little bit. Cause I think that that's actually very, very interesting from a, from a number of perspectives. Uh, one, I, you know, I know if you're, willing or are able to share numbers with people. But one of the the questions that comes up is what your numbers are and what they mean. And the fact that LPA issues are fundamentally a little bit different than cholesterol issues. So, you know, as we all know, for cholesterol issues, there's sort of a Gaussian shaped curve of distribution of levels. And if you're at the higher end of the Gaussian curve, then you tend to have problems, but pretty much anybody within the curve gets some benefit by reduction of cholesterol. Whereas in LPA, it's an asymmetric distribution curve, and the people that are truly at risk are at one end of the curve, and that involves maybe about 10 or 15% of the population who have levels that are, you know, two, three, four, five, even up to 10 times higher than what you would expect. So I, I don't know if you know those numbers offhand for relatives or for you, if you want to share that, but I think the audience might be interested in understanding that a little bit better. Yeah. Well, in the sake of accuracy, I'll just do my, I'll restrict it to my own numbers. Um, so in, in 2002, you'll probably recall um, LP little a was, it was known, I mean, it's been known as a, as a, as a lipid particle for some time, but uh, there's a real struggle to figure out whether it's strictly a biomarker or a causative agent for vascular disease. 
And in 2002, things were every bit as murky as they were before that. But I was kind of a typical LP little a patient and remain so in that if you look at me and you looked at 10 other people in the room, you'd say, who's the last guy here to get vascular disease? It would probably be me. I've always been very fit. I've exercised uh, all my life uh, and had virtually no other risk factors. Um, So when I looked into my own situation, I had a maximal stress test that was normal. Uh, I got a basic lipid panel that had a, you know, not ideal LDL. I think it was around 115, 120. Um, But then I got a, a much more detailed lipid panel. And uh, that was kind of the foreshadowing of my my future troubles. My LP little A level was about four times the upper limits of normal. Uh, I had a CRP done that was elevated and a homocysteine that was slightly elevated. Um, but we really didn't know what to do about any of that in 2002. So right. I decided, well, I've, I'm going to have to have a calcium scan because then that's going to have to, I've got to have a tiebreaker here in some direction of where, where do I stand right now. And I had a calcium score of zero. Really? Wow. Really. Interesting. So uh, needless to say, I took that as um, uh, my, that I'm going to be exempt to all this. I'm not going to follow my brother's footsteps or the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. And my risk calculation then, you know, for a 10-year event was really, really low uh, because all my other parameters were pretty normal. Um, five, five years later, I started down uh, what I describe as 10 years of vascular havoc. Uh, so the, the, well, we're, we're, we're going to do a cliffhanger here. I, I love sure. this story actually. And so you, you had an LPA level that was four times normal and we're, we're going to actually explain what those numbers mean. And you had a, a negative coronary calcium count basically. Right. And so the question is, are you really at risk? Right. So with that cliffhanger question, we're going to, Stop this part of our session and move on to the next. Okay, great. <laughs> 